Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode, episode 13. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, how's it going this week, man? Going good, man. Going good. Uh, you know, I, we had a listener. Uh, I, I sent you a, a message. I don't know. I think when you're on one of your six vacations this year, that a listener reached out. You know, they asked <laughs> about us doing some history of Texas, and so we, we we did a little plug a few weeks ago. And so on Twitter, uh, they reached out to me and said, "Hey, thanks for doing that." And so they were asking a follow up question about you know Sergio's coming on last week and talking about the vessels. And so we kind of had a little dialogue, me and him and Sergio, and we kind of went back and forth. And uh, hey, if you guys are on Twitter at Ryan Ray Senior, I'm there. I'm active, and so um, good way to reach out and talk about the show. So it was it was fun just to kind of engage with the listeners because they were asking a question about something, and I was like, well, I don't really know. That's Sergio's topic, and he hopped in there and answered it, and. Uh, you know, like talking about this stuff. So it was it was fun to kind of connect with the listeners, and because you know it, it feels a lot of times, Josh, like it's just me and you talking to walls, and so <laughs> it's good to know that people are actually listening and, and want to talk to us outside of this uh, format. Right. Yeah. And last week, man, was awesome. We had Sergio Chapa. Uh, he was on, and good news, he's going to be on again this week. So uh, it, it's exciting. Back by popular demand. That's right. That's right, man. He's uh, he's got people coming on Twitter and and. Uh, Give us some shout outs. So uh, starting off this week, we're going to do uh, the globalenergymedia.com. We have the jobs posted. A check this morning. We have 18 that are posted. Again, that's globalenergymedia.com slash jobs. Again, that's updated every Monday morning. Go and check it out. Uh, Ryan, we have a few articles hey, we wanted hey, to touch on. Real, real quick before you get in the job, I, sh- I should have warned you about this, but we are still looking for a civil engineer. So um, it's not an oil and gas related job. We do stuff more than oil and gas. And so um, – we are still looking for a civil engineer at R Square Global. So if anybody has that kind of skill set or maybe has a sister-in-law or brother-in-law or someone who has that kind of skill set, we are looking. And guess what? You can work in Fort Worth or you can move to the beach because we have an office right outside of Orange Beach, Alabama. And so you could live down there and go to the beach like Josh Shelton does every week. So. <laughs> I was about to ask you, what are the requirements, man? I might uh, <laughs> might make application. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't vacation as much as you do. That's the first thing. And unfortunately, Josh, they got to be really smart, unlike me and you. So that's kind of uh, that's right. that's right. <laughs> kind of keeps yeah. us out of it. It cuts me out right off the top. Yeah, it cuts man. me out too. You know, I'm in trouble. Well, you know, last week we uh, we talked a little bit about the OPEC rules and regulations. Uh, we mentioned the Paris deal, and uh, this week we just been kind of keeping an eye on oil prices. We saw some fluctuations. Our first article uh, is going to touch on some of those gas prices. Um, Pulling it up here, it says that oil plunges in, uh, in surprise as gasoline prices drop. I believe around Wednesday it fluctuated about two or three dollars uh, from last week, down right now about two dollars. Isn't that right, Ryan? Yeah, yeah. From uh, from midweek. Okay, yeah. So from midweek, we're down about two dollars. So uh, we we see we see a little bit of vacillation and fluctuations happening, and it's kind of going in a in a downward direction. Uh, how long do you expect this to this trend to continue, Ron? Do you think it's going to bounce back next week, or you think it's going to kind of hold around forty five for a little while? I think what we're going to see is, Josh. You know, one of the things that happens, and I think we've talked about it on the show before, is that when when gasoline prices are cheap, people overdrive to compensate. So, you know, just because they don't really, you know, you don't think about it, going, okay, well, if gas is five dollars a gallon and now it's two fifty a gallon, then the, the difference I can drive and make that up is, you know, you, you just don't. You go, oh my gosh, gas is two fifty a gallon. I'm going to the beach and. So so what yeah. happens is as gasoline prices fall, people, the, the studies show they drive more than they should, at least 
um, comparable to, to, to balance the budget out. Um, to, so they, they spend more money on gasoline. Now, that's only a part of the oil supply, obviously. The other thing is, I think we're going to see, and the article alludes to it, is that the oil supply is projected um, to start um, decreasing by late summer. And so when that happens, you're going to see the price raise back up. The real question is, you know, will it get to that $60 range? And I, I don't, I'm just not very optimistic of that. So I think it'll, it'll stay between 45 to 55 which is, that's a wide spread there. But, you know, 50 is kind of where I think it's going to be at for the rest of the year. And uh, I think right now it's just kind of a temporary setback. But mid to late summer, I think we'll see it get back up to 50 Okay, okay. So um, expecting a pretty stable market then. Well, moving uh, moving right along, we're going to go to our next article. Uh, title is Texas Oil and Gas Export, Exports Are Booming. Uh, this article talks a little bit about some of the, the focus on the Gulf Coast and the expansion that's going on there. Um, you see a lot going on in the Gulf. We, we touched on this a little bit with Sergio last week. What was your overall takeaway from the article, Ryan? Yeah, this gets into one of those things that we've talked about again on the show is that um, oil and gas affects a lot of areas. So, you know, I know a, a guy in Houston who's in the rope business and they, they sell ropes to tie down stuff, right? Well, their, their business is booming right now because there's stuff that's got to be tied down everywhere, moving stuff, you know, um, these big crates and whatnot. I, I think that you're going to see this continue. And um, I'm going to play, I don't think we're doing it this week, Josh, but next week, uh, Mark LaCour, I had him come on my other podcast and I, I've got a portion of that that we're going to play for our listeners here. And, you know, um, you know, one of the things that he talked about was is that the refineries and how the refineries work around the world. And so you have some refineries that, that, that are made to process certain types of oil and some that are made to process other types of oil. And so all of those things are going in and they're playing the factors with this. But no, I do think that this is a good thing. We talked about Corpus Christi. We're going to continue to see that expand. You have Mexico that's coming on play. Obviously, there, you wouldn't think of a lot of exports, you know, naturally go to Mexico, just build pipelines. But there's all these global fluctuations that are going on right now. Um, and we haven't been able to export it since 1973. So this is kind of a new, exciting thing in, in the industry. And I think you're going to see a lot of development here. If you are an engineer, if you're in this type of this part of the business, it's a very exciting time to be in it because these are long lead projects. You know, they're not like a you know two mile pipeline or a, a drilling well over here. This is you know you're talking about you know uh, I think Sergio's talking about you know dredging the the the, the port in Corpus Christi and these big, massive expansion projects. And so yeah, a lot Just of look work. At, uh Looking at Schinner Energy here is building another export facility in Portland, Texas. It's worth thirteen billion, spanning two thousand acres with two docks. So uh, these this is not this is not one two year job. This is long term stuff. But, no, absolutely. And you know the the, the thing about Schinner is, is they're, they're really smart. You know, a lot of people may or may not know this. When they were getting into LNG, they were um, they were building their plant to do it. And and then the the bottom part, the bottom of the market fell fell apart and like oh my gosh and so they went in and had to reverse all of their their LNG plant and uh, they did that and about went bankrupt but anyway so 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 they were kind of on the on the front end of this stuff so they've learned how to deal with this import export deal from an LNG standpoint for quite a while now um, but yes you're right these are long term projects that are involve a lot of different people and it's going to bring a lot of local stable jobs because these are port jobs eventually you know people working in plants and stuff like that to the area. Well, uh, moving, we have uh, some news that came out this week, Ryan. Uh, Rig Zone posted one that said nearly 100 oil and gas workers in Texas to lose jobs. Um, just wanted to touch a few highlights. Uh, 67 employees are being laid off from XTO Energy, which is a subsidiary of Exxon Mobil Corp. And those are scheduled to 
start on August the 2nd. And the main jobs are revolving around jobs that have been outsourced, uh, custodial, move management, mail services. So we see we see some jobs being let go of. Uh, and we mentioned this last week, Ryan, with technology. Uh, people are trying to figure out ways to maximize their budget and, and figure out ways that they can automate some of these processes so that they can uh, lower their costs and then have people, you know, have people do jobs that are more necessary, right? So uh, we see we see some jobs being lost, and again, we 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 touched on this last week. Um, overall, not too bad. We hate to hear people losing their jobs, but uh, this is kind of the the direction that the industry I think is going to continue to go. Yeah, yeah, it's it's always sad when you hear people lose their job. I know some folks over at XTO, good good people there, and uh, and we hate that. And uh, and on that note, Josh, while I'm thinking about, it, we are going to link to a report that kind of goes over some breakdown of the industry news in Texas in the show notes. So you can check that out for a little bit more detail on um, just some general statistics in Texas. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, we have one last article, Ryan, before we are going to get Sergio on. So I want to go ahead and jump into that real quick. This is uh, from the oil and gas investor. Apache trades up Canada assets for Permian Capital. Um, so that uh, June 1st, Apache agreed to sell light oil assets in western Canada uh, to Calgary, Alberta-based Cardinal Energy, for $330 million in cash. Uh, Apache seems to be a pretty reputable company, Ryan, in the, in the industry. Yeah, Josh, there's a few companies in the industry that if you get to work for, it's kind of like the gold standard. And Apache, they're they're one of them. You know, they're one of these companies that everyone's always trying to get in to work with, and only you know only a few do. And so, um, you know, this was an interesting deal because earlier this year I'd heard some some talk about what Apache would be doing and some industry rumblings about okay, hey, this is where they're gonna be focusing at, and we're starting to see some that materialize. Um, but this this wasn't one of the things I'd heard. I'd heard some other stuff, and so. It's kind of curious. I don't want to, you know, say it because it wasn't, um, it's not uh, considered double sourced or whatever. It's just people talking. But it was, you know, some of the, the stuff that Apache was looking to do was quite interesting, and this wasn't one of them. And so I, I'm curious if I had bad information or if they're still looking to do some of the other stuff. But yeah, they are kind of one of those gold standard companies that if you get in and work with those people, that you know, they take they take care of you, they do good work, they're an honest and reputable company. And so yeah. Um, kudos to them. And as the article points out, they've got assets in a lot of places. So, you know, they've got Permian stuff, but they've got assets in a lot of places and, uh, they do really good work over at Apache. Yeah. Uh, just looking at everything they have, I think their, their debt was down 200 million, but overall they got about 7 billion, uh, driven by asset sales right now. So, uh, quite a, quite a, quite a large company. And, uh, like you said, very reputable. Uh, so, it looks like they're doing. They're making some moves right now, so maybe there's some opportunities coming up uh, with with them and yeah, the company. So yeah, and you know, one, one of the things, Josh, I know is that some of the folks I know at Apache, they've come from other other smart producers like EOG and whatnot. And so, um, you know, if you look at some of the team members that they have at Apache, obviously it's a, it's a huge company, but if you look at some of the people that they have there, they've got smart people that come from other smart companies too. And so um, they've done it well. They've played it safe, not not safe as in um, overly conservative. They played it smart, I guess is the way to say it. And, um, you know, the, I, I think that if, if, you're a, if you're on the vendor side of the business, uh, you know, Apache's one of those companies that you want to try to go do work for. And, now I say that, and I say good luck to you because <laughs> everybody wants to work for Apache. You know, it's not just uh, it's not just you. So it's kind of a hard thing to get in there. But yeah, and I think as we go along, I don't know if we'll cover this on this podcast or not because it's textile gas. But 
I think that what we'll see is that you're going to see a few more deals that I've heard about that Apache might be working on, uh, maybe late third quarter, early fourth quarter. But um, it'd be interesting to kind of track it, and we might come back and circle around and say, oh, guess what? Apache did do some of these things that we, th- we thought they might do. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be exciting. Well, Ryan, we have one thing we want to we want to uh, put in the show notes. We have one more article, uh, Cowboy Country. Uh, it's a note by Cal- uh, it's an article from Cowboy Country. Houston-based EOG is doubling its Powder River leases to four hundred thousand acres in Montana. Uh, so it's a Houston-based company. Uh, so if you if you if you're in Houston, uh, if you have any affiliation with EOG. It looks like they're going to be have some work coming up in Montana, so maybe some opportunities there. Maybe want to go check it out. So we're going to link this this article in the show notes. If you're interested, uh, feel free to go go and check that out. You mentioned a minute ago, Josh, you know, EOG is kind of one of those gold standard companies. And if you read the book The Frackers, which I've had on uh, Gregory Zuckerman on other podcasts to talk about, you will see what they did to kind of transition to the Eagleford Shale when no one was really looking there. So they're kind of one of those early adopters of the Eagleford Shale. Very smart company, very well run. And so, uh, yeah, if you're in Houston or if you're like anyone else in business development, going to Houston, obviously you're going to EOG. Um, could be an opportunity if you're working outside of Texas as well. But, yeah, very smart company. If you haven't read the book, The Frackers, you need to go read it. Uh, you can go to globalenergymedia.com and find my interview with uh, Gregory Zuckerman to hear a little bit about what EOG did. It was uh, you know, pretty pretty cutting edge and, and smart and uh, forward-thinking stuff. All right, we got Sergio Chapa coming on with us this week. He's a special guest. He was on last week. We had some uh, – Good feedback from from our listeners, and we got him back on this week. Sergio, it's good to have you, man. Hey, good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me back on. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, Sergio, we have a couple of things we wanted to jump into with you this week. Uh, you have an article out, Eagleford maintains $50 billion of output despite new normal. Uh, anything you want to talk about here? Right. So, um that news, that little news item came out as part of the Eagle Ford Consortium's annual conference here in San Antonio. And uh, one of the vice presidents over at, at UTSA um, revealed, kind of gave us a, a sneak peek of, of a special report that's coming out. So uh, back in the days of the oil boom, the uh, Institute of Economic Development at, uh, at UTSA would, would produce a report. And it's like the economic impact of the Eagle Ford shale. Well, of, of course, during the boom times, it was really easy to document, and we were getting these fantastic numbers. And, and uh, But th- that project kind of went on a hiatus during the downturn. But what's great about this new report is they found funding to look at it. And it's our first peek at the numbers post-downturn. So uh, what, what, what uh, uh, UTSA Vice President Bob McKinley revealed at the, at the opening remarks at the, at the conference is that the Eagleford, despite the downturn, has been able to maintain $50 billion wow. of economic activity. That's, that's very impressive. Now, you consider that compared to the city of San Antonio in the metro area, which, is, which is, has $100 billion of economic output. So you're seeing wow. even in the downturn, these rural areas of the Eagleford can almost you know, compete with the large metropolitan area like San Antonio. So, yeah, that is uh, very impressive. And, yeah, that is impressive, yes. And when will the full report be out? Well, see, they're doing a, a special um, presentation down in Corpus Christi at the um, at the uh, at, on June 22nd, I believe. Um, okay. We can get the details to your viewers okay. maybe offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
and we can put those in the show notes or, or whatever. Um, that'd be a, kind of a good thing to have out there. But yeah, but it should be, it should be in a, in a, I believe, uh, in a week of June 21st or June 22nd, they're going to do a special presentation for the whole oil and gas community in Corpus Christi. That's, that's for sure. And, and they're going to present all the findings. It's going to be a county by county, kind of like city by city breakdown, looking at sales tax revenues, hotel occupancy, um, you know, property taxes, school districts, you know, across the board figures, things you can just really dive into, you know? So, um, it's, it's going to be definitely a report to, to have. And you'll be there. I'm guessing. Well, well, I will try. try? I'll try. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm trying to get my hands on a sneak peek copy ahead of time. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> well, I was just going to say if the listeners yeah, yeah. wanted to meet the, but, you know, the, the man, the man who's got his finger on the pulse, they could go there and meet you. But uh, it'll be to, right. to be TBD, huh? To be determined. Right, right, right. Well, I, I, I just want to point out one last thing that you know, the last time they did this report, the last one that came out was at the very end of the boom. It came out in uh, September 2014, and in that report, the Eagleford was this is based on 2013 data. The Eagleford back then was producing $87 billion of economic output. Now, you know, it's, it's 50, and that's a lower number, but it's still yeah. impressive considering that oil went down to $26 a barrel not too long ago. And uh, so so this is this report is generating a lot of interest right now, just, you know, Absolutely. just kind of behind the scenes right now. And then it'll, it'll be public knowledge in, in a short amount of time. So. Well, uh, Sergio, picking up on the Eagleford, we have some. Uh, we had an article here from Oil and Gas 360. Cabot Oil is adding 30 Eagleford wells in 2017. You know anything else about that, by any chance? Right. So Cabot is is one of the companies that I follow. I haven't I haven't done an in depth profile on Cabot in a, in about six or seven months, but but I will tell you that they they are they are very active in the um, western end of the Eagleford. That would be like you know LaSalle, Dimmit. Web that that kind of area, um, and that's where you see their drilling permits. They're doing a lot of horizontal drilling. Um, you know, I, I haven't. I need to go back and check the permits, see what they're up to lately. But that that does make sense with the uh, the uptick in activity I saw last year, um, late last year and earlier this year. Um, I think that 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 Cabot has filed a bunch of permits. They didn't necessarily drill all those right then and there. A lot of times oil companies will just file permits, have them on hand, and then just right. you know, move rigs one right after the other. So I would, I would need to look at their, at, their, um, uh, at their investor presentation, see how many rigs they have, and then compare that to permits and see, you know, suss that out. But that, 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 is, that is very encouraging. I mean, I think we should all take that as a sign of encouragement that, that we're in the middle of a slow but steady recovery in the Eagleford. And that's been the theme, like – at least going back at least since since December. You know, you can see it in the rig counts. You can see it in the drilling permits. Um, it's not like those boom times but before, but, you know, companies are doing, are doing, you know, slow but steady incremental drilling out there. And I think we can expect that for the rest of this year as well. Absolutely. Well, we have uh, one more thing to jump into with you, Sergio. We have uh, some uh, article on solar power to test portable solar from a farm concept in – in the oil field, uh, it's interesting stuff. I was looking through the article, and uh, man, I just wanted to jump into it with you. Sure, sure, you bet. Now, now one of the things about uh, these oil and gas wells this is a real fascinating subject because um, there's a numerous solutions for this problem. But a lot of these, as you know, I mean, a lot of these oil and gas wells and infrastructure are out in remote areas. There's no, there's no transmission lines. There's no power lines, and and this equipment 
re- requires large amounts of power. So there, there, there've been a, over the years, there's been all types of, uh, you know, solutions developed. The most, the most, the most common one you see is diesel power generators out in the oil field. And of course, you know, the, there's advantages and disadvantages. You can just haul a diesel truck with uh, a tank out there and set it out there and, you know, it runs itself. Um, but, but, you know, it's noisy, it's polluting. Um, that's definitely a disadvantage. Other people have tried, you know, a natural gas solution, you know, using, using gas from, from, from a well, like waste gas from a well, you know, to generate electricity on site. And, you know, that, that's a good solution too, but, uh, it's kind of tricky because, you know, some, some upset can happen and, you know, your power would go down and you'd have to flare the gas, you know, just to have all the equipment safe. And, you know, uh, one of the things that, that, that this company, OCI Solar Power in San Antonio has developed is a kind of a, 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 a portable solar farm. So it's, it's packed up into, into two shipping containers that can be hauled by 18 wheelers and, and it can be assembled remotely in, you know, in, in, in rough terrain. And it can power up and can provide at least up to a megawatt of power for a site. And it's definitely scalable. You you need more than a megawatt. Well, just get another trailer and you can have two megawatts, you know. Yeah, um, and, so it's kind and, of an interesting solution for a problem that's, that's out there in the oil patch already. So a lot of people are watching this with, with great interest. Yeah, and, you know, one thing we talked about last week, Sergio, was uh, the Mexican side of the border, on the Mexico side of the border, the lack of infrastructure there, and this would be one of the problems that they would have is getting power out to these these spots. And this might be a solution that we see on both sides of the border here in the U.S. and in Mexico where there's a lot less infrastructure. Oh, right, but, yeah, no, you're exactly right. But think even bigger than that, uh, Ryan. It's, it's, uh, it could be Canada. It could be sub-Saharan Africa. It could be all types of places. So you could use this, you know, potentially – um, they, they do have a timetable for this. I mean, it's the, the, the prototype is being assembled right now, and an oil and gas company has agreed to test it, you know, here in Texas. Um, logistically, they, they want to keep in a two-mile – or, I'm sorry, a two-hour radius of the parent company, OCI Solar in San Antonio. So that pretty much put it in the Eagleford, okay. you know, for a heavy-duty test. Um, but, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, if, if it works out in the oil patch, they – could test it like for the military they could test it for cell phone companies for large-scale events that need temporary power disaster relief work um they could even do it for like you know remote towns in northwest canada or you know remote african cities you know they could they could put this thing anywhere and provide you know reliable reliable and safe power source well uh ryan is there anything else we wanted to follow up with was yeah, there another yeah. article we, yeah we have the uh his drilling roundup that we want to go over again josh and so this is this is the hey Man, if you're out here trying to figure out how to get some work in the business, Sergio Chapa has the article. It comes out every Monday. Isn't that right, Sergio, that you kind of break down the progress every Monday. of what's going on? That's right. right. What, what did we miss this yeah, past so week? Yeah, so the South Texas Drilling Perk Roundup every, comes out every Monday. This week, you know, we try to make it different every – try to find, a, you know, a good story out of the, out of the noise, you know. And, and this week what emerged is that, you know, Hillcorp Energy Company, they're out of Houston, um, they, they took the highest number of drilling permits. And when you looked at it, it was just a little bit more interesting because, you know, Hillcorp, they, they haven't filed a horizontal drilling permit in, 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 in Texas since November 2012, but they've still nonetheless created a really diverse drilling portfolio. We're talking directional drilling, vertical drilling, all types of, you know, uh, you know projects that other companies aren't doing. And um, one of the interesting things that they, they, they're, they're, they teamed up with NRG, um, energy and so the energy energy power plant 
southwest of Houston is pipelining. It's a coal-fired plant, and they're pipelining all the all the emissions from the power plant to a Hillcorp um, lease in Jackson County, and it's being injected underground uh, to stimulate uh, that oil well. And so, this if successful, it's projected to take that 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 lease from 300 barrels a day to 15,000 barrels a day. Wow. You know, which is, which would be unheard of in Texas. Wow. Well, there it is. If you're trying to find work and you're trying to be a business development guy, you got to get Sergio's Monday uh, roundup. And we will link to this past week's, which is it's a paid article. We're not, no, no, no hidden tricks here. It's a paid subscription, but it's worth it. Um, this is the kind of information that you get as well. Hey, we give you the free stuff on the Texas Oil and Gas, but if you want to dig a little deeper and it's definitely worth the money, um, you can get it on, um, on uh, the San Antonio Business Journal. And also, Sergio, we had a little, I was telling, we talked about it earlier on the show that a listener had reached out to me, was asking a question last week, and you're very active on Twitter. So why don't you go ahead and plug your Twitter handle because you're putting all kinds of content and you're, you're really a good follow. So for people who may want to interact with you on Twitter, why don't you uh, throw your handle out there? Oh, sure. Well, it's at S-Chapa, S-A-B-J, and that's short for Sergio Chapa, San Antonio Business Journal. It's the shorthand for it. And yeah, yeah, I love Twitter uh, right now. Right now, the oil and gas community and the solar community all renewable. They're all on. They're all on Twitter. We're all. We're all talking to each other, and we're all sharing articles, and and we're all uh, swapping information, swapping notes. <laughs> you know, comparing notes. Right. Right. If you will, it's a lot of fun, and I, I would encourage anyone else uh, listening to to join in on the conversation. Yep. Absolutely. Well, look, man. Thanks again for coming on, and uh, we enjoyed it. And you know, next time we get you on, we'll have you talk about Cabot and what's going on down there, and. Uh, you know, as you as we say every week, you got your finger on the pulse of the Siegelford stuff, so it's always good to to hear what you have to have to say. Sounds good. I will I will get smart on Cabot. You'll have a good weekend. <laughs> no pressure. Ah, appreciate it, Sergio. Have Thanks, a good Sergio. Man. All right. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Well, we appreciate Sergio coming on uh, to our show today. Uh, love the discussion. Very informative, and uh, we appreciate him. Hope he comes on every week, man. It was uh, great having him on having him on this week. Uh, like always, we like to finish things up with a look at the rig count with Baker Hughes. Uh, checked it just a few minutes ago. We were up eight for the week at 916 as a nation. Uh, the Permian was at 364, which is, I believe, the same as it was last week. The Eagleford's up a little bit at 86, and Texas is totaled at 463. Uh, so there's your look at the rig count. Ryan, any last things, any, any news, conferences coming up that we want to mention? No, I linked to all that stuff last week in the show notes we talked about. And so if um, if you if you, you know, need that information, go check out the show notes. If for some reason you can't find it, hit me up on Twitter, at Ryan Ray Senior. be happy to point you in those directions. Um, but no, um, look forward to doing next week. And let us know. Sergio Chapa, I love him coming on. Josh loves him coming on. What do you think? Uh, we would love to have more reporters on to kind of talk about this stuff as well. Send us a note globalenergymedia.com slash contact or you can find me on Twitter or, or LinkedIn so um, thanks again for tuning in and hey if you enjoyed the show could you go and please leave a review in iTunes it really helps us kind of spread the word we would appreciate it and until next time keep climbing